Hi there, I'm Jen Blandos, the founder of Female Fusion. I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years with experience in building seven-figure businesses and working around the world. Originally, I'm from Canada, but I've been living in Dubai for the past 14 years. I've created this podcast to share my insights and expertise as a global entrepreneur and help other women start, build, grow, and scale their businesses. You'll also hear from some of the world's top experts and female entrepreneurs who will inspire and motivate you to achieve your business goals. So join me as we explore all that the world has to offer and build the business of your dreams. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Women on the Rise. And today we are in a podcast studio in London because I've been in the UK for a few weeks doing events and meetups for our Female Fusion members in Europe. And I am so excited today to have Desiree Benugo, who is a marketing expert with us today on the podcast. Hi, Desiree. Welcome. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for that really warm welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I am. Do you know what? I'm so excited to have you. And you've always been somebody who I've wanted to get on the podcast because you are the queen when it comes to marketing. And you and I have known each other for at least 10, if not more years, a very long time. Yes. And you have been the digital social media marketing expert. And so I'm so glad. I can share your knowledge with our, our guest today. You're most welcome. I'm, I'm really excited to talk with you about it because I haven't been doing much talking about social media or digital marketing or marketing at all for a few years. I've been in the hatches kind of like working with my clients. So it's a really good opportunity to talk about something that I actually enjoy talking about. Amazing. So before we jump in, tell mm. everybody a bit about you and about your, your experience in marketing. Sure. Sometimes I never know where to start with this, so I try and work a little bit backwards. So um, effectively, I work as like a fractional marketing director. So I go into organizations, whether they're brands, global brands, community organizations, or even agencies. And I sit in-house to help direct their strategy or their campaigns, or even help to lead their marketing team so that they can roll out the campaigns effectively. Um, a lot of the times um, I am the bit that's missing between the business plan, if it exists, as we know, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that needs to push something out there, whatever that looks like, whether it's 100 social media posts a week, which is crazy, or it's an event campaign, or it's a PR campaign. So that's effectively, that effectively has been my career for the last 25 years. Um, that's just aged me, but that's okay. Um, more recently, um, I've just finished a contract working for the Home of Black British History, which is the Black Cultural Archives mm. based in Brixton. Um, they are a globally recognised national institution that focuses on the history of black British people from the Af from Africa and the Caribbean. So it's, it's an archive plus... I don't like the word museum, but there are artifacts that are held there, exhibitions. Um, and whenever there are important dates in the national calendar, such as Windrush, which we just had right. in June. Yeah. And then there's October's Black History Month. There are events, exhibitions, collaborations, conventions with within black, 
black cultural archives, but also partners nationally and internationally. So um, I worked with them during lockdown in 21. I just finished a contract with them there. So I was in-house helping the marketing team and the executive team run their campaigns and just finished Windrush 75, which was huge. It was bigger than Black History Month 20, whatever year that I was doing it. So that was significant. I find it's nice to be involved with meaningful work um, that that has an impact, that that makes a difference, that educates people. It's much different than like buy my widget or, you know, sign up for this. Instead, it's something which which has meaning. That must have been really powerful for you. Absolutely. I see it almost as a professional sabbatical because (laughs) marketing is very much what you say. You're selling something to somebody that means something but perhaps doesn't mean much to me so to actually get involved with something that means something to me primarily because of my heritage i'm african caribbean i should say that i'm african and caribbean heritage because um to split that out so learning more about my origins or my ancestry while at work was just just made the marketing that much more impactful Given that we were working, on, I was working on a budget of zero as well, but again, which is the those hardest are the things. most rewarding, right? Absolutely, because it's it, you have to be more creative. Yeah, you have to be more creative. You have to use what you have, and what you generally have are people and technology. So it kind of takes you back, or take took me back essentially to the very early days of. Digital marketing in when the we late had no 90s. Money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And no money we're trying to figure out. What are we doing here? We've got email. We've got a website that, you know, will probably cost somebody £10,000 per page oh, yeah. to make. And, you know, those were the days where it was, you know, we talk about the Wild West now of digital marketing. For me, back then, totally was Totally. Wild, Let's wild talk West. about what life was like before Wix. Or <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, HTML or C- CSS, CSS templates, um, MS-DOS, yes. JavaScript. Um, and I was in agency land at that time. I hadn't quite jumped client side. Um, I think I probably hadn't become a freelancer then either because I became a freelancer after 9-11 which is a time that for so many people in the marketing space, we had to deal with the dot. I always mispronounce this a little bit, but the dot com bubble burst in 2000. Then we had the energy um, crisis of 2001 that not many people realize, Mm -hmm. but it was not as widely publicized as the one we've just had. And then we had 9-11 all within less than 12 months. So the industry took a huge knock. Um, So many of us became freelancers then, but I stuck and became a freelancer. But, you know, I remember starting, when I started working at an agency, um, Blau Tequila. So it was a joint venture between Blau Marketing in America and Tequila, which was a direct marketing agency, one of the top three in the UK. And um, the joint venture was created to service IBM Europe and British Telecom. I don't know Mm. if anybody remembers the old booklet that used to come with the phone bill. We were responsible as an agency to produce all the data, all the copy, all the photography, all the um, print and production and distribution of that booklet 
every quarter. Can and you it, imagine? And it took a team of, I think in, on the tequila side, there was about 15, 10 to 15 people. Wow. And I think there were other agencies that were doing other aspects of it. But those pre-digital times, it, we allowed for 12 weeks minimum for a campaign um, and had the most amazing managers. Shout out to Yost and Nish, um, who I met up re with recently. And, you know, we had that kind of like framework of each printed material had 12 weeks. It involved the creative, so the content, what we now call content. Right. Art director, copywriter. We then had a planner. We had a data planner. We had a pre-production manager. Um, we had a distribution manager and there were other people probably on the other on the side of things that I weren't even I wasn't even aware of. And if we were collaborate, if it was an integrated campaign, sometimes we'd work with Ogilvy or Wonderman mm. and they will handle the above the line. So or the out of home or we didn't really have digital out of home back then, but the out of home um, material. So all the billboards, the bus shelters, um, then another agency would handle the direct mail. So the stuff that came through your letterbox without your name on it that everybody uh, hated. Yeah. yeah, that was me. <laughs> but it's, you know, probably like the younger generation is listening to this and going, what? Yeah. And it took 16 weeks and yeah. how, you know, because this can be done in a matter of days yes. now. And it's so compressed now, which is why we feel the pressure more. Yeah. Um, because particularly when digital came around, so I think my first digital campaign was around 97 for web and about 98 for, e for email. And the expectation, because we already worked in a digital, sorry, in a data space, direct marketing was all about the data. And it was about, we focused on the creative as well. So that we worked within the advertising Ogilvy benchmarks of creative call to, call to action, um, color schemes, copywriting, you know, the strength of the headline and the importance of certain key selling words. We all went to that. But for us, the data was most important. And we <laughs> collected that data manually. We sifted through the data manually wow. with spreadsheets. We deduped email addresses manually. <laughs> and this Can is just the imagine? other day. <laughs> wow. You know, I, and it's like, can you imagine like just how much it's changed? You and I are similar in age. And even as well, I remember using a fax machine. Yes. And, you know, putting things out on a fax machine. And I remember speaking to my daughter the other day and being like, What's a fax machine? A fax machine? She's <laughs> like, How old are you? Eighty? She's <laughs> like, Isn't that like really old people? Yeah. And, you know, they see them sometimes in like these old movies, so they kinda know what it is, but it's like just a weird thing a weird thing way off in history and it's incredible looking at how fast our work environment has changed but the thing I think is so cool is that you and I might have started out using fax machines mm. and sifting data manually but one thing I refuse to do is be one of those people who sits back and goes well this is for the young kids right. you know I, I remember even as well that a lot of people my generation when social media was becoming really popular they were like oh yeah that's beneath me yeah, yeah. that's for the young kids mm -hmm. i'm strategic i'm going to be over here and for me it's like i want to know 
everything. Mm. I want to be good at all of this. I want to understand it. So, you know, these young kids aren't going to be looking at me like, <laughs> you know, what are you talking about, old lady? <laughs> and and that's the key thing as well, because I found as I've got older in the business, so particularly in the agency business, I observed that most women kind of aged out. I hate to use that phrase, aged out around 30 because it wasn't a lifestyle that's compatible with raising children. Yeah. It's changed now. There are some agencies I've gone into um, where the majority of the women were mothers and it was just such a beautiful thing to see. Mm. Women over 35 in their 40s, account directors, senior account directors, global directors who have children or had children and they had husbands and they had responsibilities. So, you know, lots of kudos to the agency's yeah. space changing to enable that because... Because it didn't. Yeah. It, it didn't. So most women either left the industry completely, whereby you lose lose a whole um a whole kind of like cache of expertise and intelligence capital and then went brand side because brand side did offer four day working, working from home, raising children, a crash in the building, that yeah. kind of thing. Um <clears throat> but I, I totally agree with with uh with None of the technology is age dependent. No. It becomes a little bit more challenging. I've spent the last four weeks going quite deep in on AI. Perhaps not <laughs> on the best channel that I should be going on because I'm a bit of a YouTube junkie, which I you know, categorically by numbers, I'm I'm not a huge I'm not the YouTube um, kind of like target market. Right. It's usually aimed at much younger teenage or Gen Zs now or younger millennials. I'm a Gen Xer, um, but most of my social media time is spent on YouTube. And it's important for me to understand AI because, one, I need to understand how it affects us from a humanitarian point of view, because mm. I consider myself as that kind of marketer. But also at the same time, if I'm going to continue to work with people who are 20, 30 years younger than me, my perspective with my experience to date alongside with the technology that we have available just adds so much value to an organization to mentorship to training to the product to the campaign to the whole chain of what happens in a business not just for marketing but also within a business so i think there is value in in those of us who want to because i you yeah. know i'm i'm mindful that some people are like nah this is it i'm opting out of this now <laughs> social media was my last call but it's important i think but i think it is well even speaking for for gen x in a way that if you want to continue to be relevant mm -hmm. if you want to continue to be in this this game and even when we talk about having a business that you need to understand it you don't need to be now for you in your industry you need to be an expert but mm -hmm. I think for all business owners as well you need to understand all of it because if not you open yourself up to to people maybe passing off work that is not as good as what it should be there is a um, a cliche I'm going to call it a cliche because it's probably going to fade out in the next few months or so but that but the people who will survive in their jobs in their industries in their businesses are the ones who are using AI compared to the ones who are not um, 
even if it's not fully integrated into a business like a hundred percent yeah I think just even be even the awareness of what it can do what it can't do because at the moment I feel there are too many expectations of what it can do we're now starting to see some of the limitations and some of the red flags and some of the blind spots so there are lots of questions around one particular generative AI not being as good good as it was um, <laughs> which kind of makes sense because from a technology point of view whatever you put in it's like our bodies of course whatever you put in is what you get out so um, we're starting to see that so with the initial hype and concern what I would love to see is that most business owners have access to an introduction to AI yeah for business and participate in that and then dis- and then make a decision based on that rather than listen to all the media hype, listen to all the fear mongering, um, because there are elements of where it can actually benefit a business. And yes, there may be some issues around it perhaps being being less beneficial, but then that's really around advice understanding your business, understanding your needs as well. I mean, and that's as well as understanding how AI can really help make things easier. And I think especially on the marketing space, um, AI can be a fantastic resource, but you need to understand how to use it, right? And this is the, the thing that I'm seeing with some businesses is that they're either going all in and maybe overusing it. And you can tell when the copy is too AI generated. And I even said that to my team. We had a team meeting this week. And I said to them, some of the copy that I'm seeing from you is, I can tell you put it into into chat GPT. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to understand that this is a tool to help you if you're stuck, yeah. but you still need to write. Yeah. And you still need to have good writing skills and know what good looks like. Because this is like anything I could put in similar prompts and get the same thing out of ChatGPT. So it's understanding the limitations, mm. but how you can use it to save yourself time. Um, for example, one thing I thought was really interesting yesterday, we did a masterclass with Kajabi. I think that you were on, on that as well. Great, yeah. And it was really great. And one of the things that he was talking about was, you know, the fundamentals of really good copywriting, mm. but then also as well how with the correct prompts that you can actually use ChatGPT to make some of your copy easier. Not to write the whole thing, but certain elements to get that out there. And that was really great to be able to understand those prompts and how it can help with with marketing content as well. Absolutely. And I think the exposure to AI and understanding how it can actually in in specific scenarios so that you've got generative AI, which will help business owners and freelancers and other kind of uh, people who create outputs to be able to improve their productivity time. But also at the same time, I think there's, in terms of decision making and using generative uh, AI to actually help construct really good arguments for and against different ideas and decisions. Yeah, that can be quite fun. Yes, it can be quite fun. But also it's a starting point. I think the key thing about AI like you said, it's a starting point. It's not going to run your business. It's not going to make you millions. It the, the the optimal for me in terms of integrating AI into your business is to have AI plus humanity with creativity and connection. And that will help to improve 
different aspects of your business. So whether it's the speed of producing content, whether it's ideas, generative ideas to help improve your business output or even making better business decisions or a starting point at least. Um, getting um, not to replace an accountant or um, a lawyer, but to actually get that initial information so you can go and speak to a human professional. I think that's where the power of it. So it helps you understand what good looks like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good starting point for that. I can speak as well as a a business owner with Female Fusion. One of the things that I find overwhelming sometimes is the sheer amount of content Mm -hmm. that we need to consistently produce. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of content. There is uh, weekly blogs. There is the podcast. There is the, you know, the LinkedIn posts, the Instagram posts, the Facebook posts, the emails. And it's a lot, yes, it right? Is, it, yeah. it It's a lot, but it's also one of those things that we've also experimented that if we've slowed down on any of that, we get feedback from people and they're like, I didn't see, you know, your newsletter this week or I noticed that this was late or you didn't have that. We're like, oh, we need to, <laughs> we need to, people do notice, we need to keep up with the yes, content. Yeah. And AI is really powerful for that, that it doesn't write it for us, but mm-hmm. it helps, it helps kind of with the first draft yes. and it helps get the, the first bits out there it will help maybe look at a situation sometimes slightly differently. Mm-hmm. For example, um, I use it for my personal social media as well because there's my personal social media as well as the business social media. And sometimes I'll look at that and go, oh, do I have my content pillars right? And I'll do things as well like feed in, you know, these are the things I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. This is, um, you know, recommend content pillars for me and what I focus on on what days. Mm-hmm. And ChatGPT will come up with some really good ideas to give me extra inspiration of even things I can create. Absolutely. I mean, we tend to get overwhelmed by a lot of the things that we have to do, especially if we're a business owner. We're not just doing marketing. We're also doing accounting. We're managing teams. We're trying to network. We're trying to improve our branding. We're trying to look after families, take care of parents. We're doing so many things as business owners that having that assistance that may not be um, an intern or a junior, but having that digital assistant that can help us, I don't know, help us kind of like tap into parts of us that if we had more time, we would come up with yes. them anyway. Exactly. It just helps us speed up the process. But I think going back to something you said about um, working with your team in AI, the fact that as the business head, you looked at it and took charge over it and kind of like pulled out the pros and the cons and as to why and how to use it i think that's so key in every business yeah that it does need to be a top-down decision that it is it is led um by the the leadership at the top so that the rest of the team understand how to use it where's the best time to use it, and also have the permission to use it as well i think that's quite important and i think I mean, we we need to embrace all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's going to make us better. It's going to make us more competitive, which is why I go back to it and say, because I'm surprised when I talk to some entrepreneurs and they're like, no, 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 that's too much for me. Yeah. I'm like, do you want a business? Because, (laughs) you know, like we have to be constantly innovating. If we want to be relevant, we need to innovate. I mean, it reminds you of 2009 with social media. 
2001 with email marketing, 1997 with the, with the internet and and or websites rather. I oh, get websites, it. Websites, yeah. I get it. Um, because I guess with AI, it has there's a bigger threat to humanity on one side of things, um, in terms of the discussion around how it's being used and it's and it being regulated. But I I truly believe I truly believe and agree with you that um, the way it's used, similar to if I we look back ten years or twelve years, similarly with social media, as you mentioned, oh, it's a childish fad thing; it will disappear; it won't be here for long. And now most business owners use social media in some form, whether good or not so good, to reach their audiences. Yeah. It will just be the same thing. It's whether you're early or late. And you always have to get in early. If you want to, it's like as a business owner, and I say this to our members and female fusion all the time as well. Get in early, understand the technology, understand how to do things, know what good looks like. So you can be ahead of everybody else as well. And I think defining what good looks like is probably a really useful thing and how yeah. and how we could use um, AI in our business. So in terms of what good looks like for me, in terms of AI, it's there is that human connection. It sounds like it's a human in terms of copy and it's relatable. It's relevant. I can engage with it. It doesn't if it's going to sound robotic, then I need to know it's a character. Yes. Um, I need to know it's a character. It's a character that I can ga- engage with and it's not going to flip on me and <laughs> turn into <laughs> a human or the other way around. Um, and then in terms of AI, I think the different tools that could be used are, or the different ways it could be used, uh, we touched upon um, making decisions. I've used it to develop strategies. I've yep. used it to write presentation so anybody who sat in on my customer finding a customer your best customer or, or identifying oh, yes, your best in customer may. back yeah. in may i used chat gpt to write the outline for that and then i just went away and just did the research there's loads of information some of it's a bit conflicting based on my experience but i used the bits that were relevant to me and in terms of what i felt i wanted to share and ChatGPT is really good for things like that, like mm-hmm. writing outlines for presentations. And I also find as well, I'll do that too for some content that I do, but also to look at it and go, I just want to sense check what I've done. Yes. Is there, are there any gaps that I'm missing? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and sometimes I'll look at things that ChatGPT suggests and sometimes I find that it's duplications um, or it will be two quite similar things or completely irrelevant but it's almost like having an extra senior colleague in the room with you to brainstorm with and to get extra ideas. Absolutely I mean before ChatGPT we would have gone through I don't know a hundred links on search So, and you yeah. know, how long that would have taken, you know, for me, I'm one of those people that go down to page eight in the search results yeah. page. So for me, it just shortens that process. I would have got there anyway, but it just means, I mean, remember when we used to edit the courses yes. together um, and it took us three days yeah, to you edit can do... or to write a course. We can do, cut the time down for that now if you were I, doing that. And that's, I, I think if you know, what to put into ChatGPT or any of these other ones that you're able to get the right results out. But it's understanding what you want to use it for and making sure that you don't lose that human connection because it's 
I think probably more than ever, and I've been in business for 25 plus years, that I would say more than ever now, people want that authenticity and that human connection. And I was even, I've recorded a bunch of reels this week because I'm going on holiday uh, at the end of this week. And so I've made the commitment. I said to the team, I'm like, right, you're going to get all the videos from me. You're going to get all the podcast episodes from me because I want two weeks to shut my brain off. And we were looking at some of the reels and I said to them, oh, you know, should we create like a a really cool cover for, um, for the reel? And my team were like, no, because it just looks like too curated and Mm -hmm. people don't really want that anymore I think they would rather just see it you know we'll have like the caption appear um, part of the caption that's interesting so people will want to click on it but we're not going to go and put a cover page on it now because it just looks too too manufactured such a great point because that point kind of came up during the Coffee Connect last week around curation um, and the glitz and glamour of the gram um, so last year I spent four months at Meta at, in the bosom <laughs> <laughs> of Meta in their Instagram team on in their creative um, with their creative agency as a project manager, and one of the things that they're really keen to do, and I think they've done quite a good job on it so far, is kind of like get making it quite clear that Instagram through Reels, not so much the feed, they're focused they're focusing on Reels is it's about the moments that we have, that we share. So similar to Twitter, but it's in words. Similar to TikTok, but it's in live. But on Instagram Reels in particular, it's about capturing the moments as they happen. So not, you know, your face isn't fully beat. Your hair's not kind of like fully made up. You might not be wearing the best in your wardrobe, but it's the moment that's captured rather than how you look. Um, and that authenticity is, we're going back to that because that's what social media was about to a certain extent. I know, here's my breakfast. I'm oh my gosh, yeah, everybody remembers those <laughs> ones in the beginning. But it was authentic though. Right. It had its own level of authenticity, but now I think it's more about what people feel and how can we engage with people and I think women what what made Instagram work for most women was there was an element of that before it became quite curated sort of like run and by influences and it became curated and that's what the brands wanted to see before the brands came on board it was about these are beautiful things these are beautiful photos of a landscape, of a house, of a baby, or, or people at a party. Um, so now it's how can we? T- how can I share my story, my moment on video, um, wherever I am, however I am, and how could you get involved with that moment with me? There's lots of different tools and ideas, and I think for women on for women in particular. So whether you're a woman entrepreneur trying to engage with women consumers. Um, it's really important for the personal branding also to come out. We're going back to know, like, and trust. I know we don't really use that phrase much anymore. But, but it stands the test of time, right? I mean, that's what it is, know, like, or trust. Yes. Yeah. It's fundamental in everything. And I think in a space where there seems to be a kind of like division between the bros and the ladies <laughs> online, um, for many women, 
they want something that more closely represents them rather than having to accept the things that perhaps doesn't reflect them but they know they need the product they know they need the service they know they can perhaps manage being in that space even though it it's not really doesn't really speak to them entirely yeah which i think it's great to see more of that happening although i'd love to see more of that on youtube i'd love to see more of that on youtube yeah i mean youtube's a whole separate i mean there's so many conversations we can have on youtube and i think youtube is an unmissed opportunity for a lot of businesses there's so much totally is being focused on on meta mm-hmm. and you know increasing your followers increasing your engagement but there's also a whole audience which is sitting on youtube that isn't really being marketed to in in the same way as well yeah and i think i think a lot of it is perhaps i have this philosophy that um many of the marketing trends are directly related to some of the gurus that exist and what their preferred channels are. So whether they're gurus in terms of self-proclaimed or they just have lots of followers or they have lots of companies investing in them, um, you know, for me... And there's not a lot of women on YouTube. Precisely. And that's what what I would like to see. If there are women... um, they tend to be, or the content that I've seen most tend to be around um, design, home interior design, or maybe that's just what YouTube's throwing up for me. Um, business and tech. Yes, that's what that, that actually. That's kind of cool. So I think YouTube is showing up for you. <laughs> yeah. But it is. Um, there's fewer women on YouTube. I think it's only about 23, 25%, isn't it? Compared That's to. than what I thought, yeah. Well, maybe yeah. even less than yeah. that. Not many. And it is a lot of the stereotypical things like the crafting and the architecture and the, you know. The kind of like, I hate this phrase, but women's jobs oh, yeah. or women's interests. And also yeah. get, but there's also quite a lot of women on gaming because yes. of Twitch. Yeah. So I, I find that quite interesting um, as well. And it's changing. But what I would love to see is just more diversity of, of having the option of a woman's voice. So, for example, if I type in, let me think. Yes, if I type in AI for marketing, I could get it's through. bros, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't. There's one girl that, there's one female YouTuber I've come across. can't remember her handle really really good she's probably about probably in her 20s but she doesn't even come up in the first three pages in the search results okay we've covered so much on um ai and youtube and all of these things thinking about marketing in general Mm -hmm. i would say one of the the biggest challenges that small businesses face and the businesses that we have in female fusion is marketing. So much so that I'm changing around our content in September in Female Fusion and doing more on marketing because so many businesses are struggling with marketing. What? But marketing feels overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I think if you don't have a background in marketing and understand this, that it just, it it feels heavy Mm -hmm. because you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. What are some simple things if there's entrepreneurs listening to this right now and they're like it's just too much I can't do it I can't keep up with the content what are simple things that 
businesses can do that will be make an impact and almost be like a good quick win in their business? So I think of the reasons why people feel uncomfortable or maybe not even uncomfortable, but find marketing a challenge is because what marketing's perceived to be. Yeah. Um, so it's perceived to be complex or, or really difficult, really expensive, difficult to understand, um, too much work. Um, but, and so they just don't do it. So they don't do it or they leave it to the very last minute. I have a sale somebody. on tomorrow. Can we do some Facebook ads? <laughs> Yes. Um, Can we send out a press release tomorrow? No. Yeah. Um, you, you might not need 16 weeks like you needed initially, no. <laughs> but you need a little bit more time than you 24 hours. You need a little bit more time. Nowadays, planning a campaign, a single channel campaign. So when I say single channel, it's either PR or it's email marketing or it's social media, not the three, just one. Yeah. I normally recommend to any client that maybe two, preferably three weeks is what's needed to send something out. It may not be the best because it usually needs a strategy, it needs some research. But if you want to get something out there to get some data in so you can optimize it later. Yeah. Then, um, but if I was to give a step-by-step -step approach, I would say first thing first Understand your business. What is your business? What does it stand for? Get really clear on your mission, your values, and who you want to target, and also what your goal is as a business. Are you trying to, for like maybe the quarter for the year? Are you trying to improve your brand? Are you trying to sell more products? Are you trying to identify your customer? Then next, if you're an established brand, establishing your understanding your customer is probably a little bit easier because you've got data. But I think, so I'm I'm smiling at you saying this because when I see that businesses are not making money mm -hmm. and they say to me, you know, it's so frustrating, I'm, my business is losing money or profits aren't as good as what I thought it is, it almost, well, it goes back to a few things, but almost always it goes back to the fact that you haven't done proper research even from the very beginning that you set up your business and you haven't talked to your customers. And it sounds so simple, mm -hmm. but people don't do it. Or they talk to their friends or their family, or I've heard a lot of people say, but I am my ideal paying customer. Why do I have to talk to people because I'm selling to me? Like, are you going to buy all of your products? And the thing is, that's what I used to say as a marketer. You are probably your customer. But generally now we understand that is not always the case. Of course. Um, some of the problem, I mean, this is a, probably a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but some of some people actually choose the wrong business model for the lifestyle that they want. I'm finding that a lot when I'm talking to some of my female entrepreneurship, entrepreneur friends. Now that we're at the other side of the pandemic and everyone's reevaluating yeah. um, what kind of life they want, um, what the future looks like for them, with their family and, and even whatever country they're in, because lots of people are looking to move around and travel. Even me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yes, going back to your point. But just to add to that, though, mm. entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. And, yes, I totally agree with that. You know, yeah. I, entrepreneurship or even being a freelancer, that 
it's not it's not easy and i think some people think that we live the laptop life and we work 5 hours a week and you take your laptop and you go sit on the beach and you know i don't think like i probably in i've been a business owner for over 20 years mm-hmm. and i don't think that i've ever had a holiday in 20 years where i've taken 2 weeks and i haven't picked up my laptop at some point because when you have that business, you always have to check in yeah. at some point. Yeah. You can't go and say, even if you have the best team in the world, mm-hmm. they still need to talk to you. They still need to have a check-in. Even if it's like a few hours in a week, you still have that commitment to your business, especially if you want to grow your business. You need to be present in your business. Automation isn't all that everybody is cracking, is saying yeah. that it is. I mean, automation is hand- amazing. Yes. But, but it's it's not completely hands off. And it's not visionary. It's not no. steering the direction of your no, business. Absolutely. It's, it's, the, it's the kind of like cogs and wheels aspect yeah. of your business. Um, I mean, even as a freelancer in comparison. So... Um, when I was made redundant twice in 2001, the second time was after 9-11, I just decided I wanted to be in charge of my own income, how I worked, how I paid my bills, just control of my life. And the lifestyle I was trying to create, which I managed to up to a point, was six to nine months working and three to six months off. However, I was not sitting out on a beach. Most of the times I was upskilling during my breaks because yeah. things moved that quickly. So I was learning how to code HTML or C- CSS or learning, is it f- not Firewire, Dreamweaver and the other platform. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and all those kind of platforms back in the day, how to use those. And then I was learning how to use social media for business because at the at the time it was it just... It wasn't. Yeah, it, it completely yeah. was. It was just something that you used to just chat with your friends or... Yes find your high school sweetheart. Oh gosh, yes, MySpace, yes. <laughs> and Friendster and my and Friends Reunited, yeah. But but I have a, a question for you on that because I mm. think this is really interesting as well, is how much time do you spend on professional development? Um, more than probably I realize. Um, I mean... The kind of lifestyle I have, I can afford to spend as much time as I want to. Yeah. Um, but in terms of professional development, I it's probably what I do in my spare time, if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I think and, a lot of entrepreneurs do. Yeah, and I love it because I'm discovering something new each time. I never quite get bored. I used to spend a lot of money on courses, but I'm finding that the course quality is not as great as they were, so there are lots of over promises. So yeah. it's really important to find the right network with the right quality of courses with the right leaders. So for me, I'm always looking at leaders and then I know everything else will follow. Um, but yeah, I use mostly YouTube, a lot of Twitter, although Twitter's space is a little bit unusual right now. But I do learn a lot from Twitter in terms of entrepreneurship. Interesting. Um, and how the bros and i don't mean it derogatively at all but there were a group of kind of like um young male millennial entrepreneurs who were creating a certain type of business that nobody else is creating i find it quite fascinating that these guys are able to run a business or 
as they say, they sell mostly digital products. They use Twitter as their marketing tool. Interesting. um, And they make six to seven figures. It's really interesting. I find it interesting to study things like that as well. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time on professional development as well. And it's funny, when I had my other business, I didn't spend as much time as I do now. And maybe as well, it's because with Female Fusion, I need to know everything that's going on to run my business. Also as well that I want to be ahead of the game to be able to Mm -hmm. share that information with our members. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't know if I would call it shiny object syndrome. It's more just curiosity about what what is out there and what can help make things easier to run your your business as but then well you said it's, it's your role so yeah. my role as a freelancer has initially my role was to fulfill and then it became um expert so if i did not stay ahead of the curve if i wasn't aware of what meta tiktok tencent wechat all the other social media platforms are doing that and carry that information to my delegates and students how good am I as an expert so I I do have shiny object syndrome I will raise my hand to that I I am a very very curious by nature but I think um, the key thing is trying to find the right leaders to follow yeah because there are quite a few people there's a lot of mediocre and the, and basically the reason why they exist is because the algorithms and the systems support them because it's about likes and clicks and views. True. So, yeah. Do you know, I find what's interesting, though, is um, because I have a digital business and I'm involved in that space, that the people in that space that are performing really well, who have really good content, it's quite a small group yeah. of people. There's a yeah. lot of average out there. Totally agree. But then it's quite a small group of people and it's interesting that as I've grown Female Fusion, I get to know a lot of those people and it's really interesting to hear from them about how they're running their business, latest marketing tactics that they're doing. I sat down and interviewed Graham Cochran in America when I was there in May on, uh, on our podcast and he's one person who has a high amount of integrity, had his business for a really long time. Um, and is always constantly innovating as well. And I find it's interesting to see what those people are doing. Absolutely. But there's a lot of mediocre. You just have to find your way through it, really. Yeah. And and as women, well, we all have intuition, but for, for us as women, we can use our intuition to find that, to get there even quicker. That's our human intelligence. That's do our you, HI. Do you know, <laughs> I, I just lit up when you said that. And, and I actually did a whole podcast episode on this because I had a situation that happened a few months ago where I realized my intuition in business mm. is always right. Yeah. And I look back at every single situation that I've faced in business and what my intuition was telling me and what my head was telling me. And my intuition was always right. And it's it's interesting. And I don't know if you found that, but it comes to... Us as women standing in our power and going, do you know what? I am right. I do have this experience. My intuition needs to be leaned into more, even though my brain is trying to get me to do something else. I totally agree. I mean, I've used it 
<laughs> I've used my intuition to walk from contracts. Um, but that's good, right? Yes, it's so good because the mental issue, the mental health issues that we're building up. Because the thing is, we also feel quite strong to endure. We're, we're built for that to certain degrees or so, so uh, society encourages us to kind of like stick with it, stick with it. You, you know, you're not strong enough if you don't stick with it. But part of me is like, I don't deserve this. I deserve well, much more. So I've used it for that. But I've also used it for making decisions. I've used it to empower myself. I've used it to navigate my way through the kind of like just the maze or the labyrinth of now what is out there because we have so much access to stuff. Um, and, you know, there are things that pop up in the feed, for example, which maybe because this, the devices were listening to us or maybe they're in, whatever the reason is. But even those things, when something pops up in your, in, in your feed or even in your inbox and you're like, okay, that's exactly what I was thinking of. That's that's what my heart actually asked for. Yeah. My soul asked for. And for me, that's exciting to bring the wholeness of myself into that. So, yeah, yeah. Because there were a couple of projects that I've worked on as well. Like, um, I'll always talk about the Yahoo bus that I worked on a long time ago. It wasn't so much digital, but it was very... Actually, no, I shouldn't say it wasn't digital. We were promoting Yahoo Answers. So this is 2006, but we... But Facebook had just launched, right. so we didn't have um, public access. But a lot of that project was purely by intuition from um, working with the US team to to kind of like buy the bus, to, to put the vinyls on it, to book the locations, to get the team to come with us from security, to traveling all over the country for three months with this bus to promote Yahoo Answers. That project was by intuition. I didn't have any experience for any of that. And I think by trusting in yourself, yeah, um, which it can be difficult at times. But as as entrepreneurs as well, you know, we need to trust the process. And yes. I see this so much more now that when you trust the process, the magic happens. Yeah. But you have to trust yourself and not have that not have that doubt because then you're standing in your power, you're being confident and you're coming from the right place. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at setting up another project, which I'll kind of like make public more a bit later. I gave a little inside scoop to a small group of people last week. <laughs> um, but that process to decide on that idea was exactly that. Um I don't know it. It's a new it's a new space. I don't know it. I don't know anybody in it. Um, I'm trusting one resource, one coach, one community to actually go into a new space. And I'm not going to Google the hell out of it either. I'm going to just trust the process and just and do enjoy it. the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when it when it comes to to marketing mm -hmm. and talking about women, mm -hmm. have you noticed, are there any particular marketing tactics that maybe resonate a bit more with with women than than with guys? Um, maybe as well, especially for our, our members, a lot of them have an audience that are, are female. Are there things that they could do that would really hit home with, with them? So 
I was, was kind of like thinking around this idea um, earlier. I think what's quite key is this interaction. Yes. It's the human live, as somebody told me, 3D, IRL, in real life, all the other variations of how we describe that. Um, for me, I think that's probably the best form of marketing for women. So if we look at a funnel, it's probably digital. So, so it could be ads to raise awareness of the brand or the event or the, or the personal brand. The engagement happens in a space where a new customer or even established um, customer or a new prospect or an established customer can look for social proof. Yes. We need to look for social proof. We, As business owners, it's really important that female entrepreneurs provide that social proof in at least one space. It doesn't have to be everywhere. That, but for me, the whole notion of having platforms everywhere is a little bit crazy in this time. Um, I still believe that entrepreneurs are, are there to build their businesses, not to build content businesses. So it's, I know it's a fight... It's a really difficult battle. Um, and it's easy for me to say this because I sit in the content space, not in the business running space. But in in terms of me dealing with my own little micro business, I don't even do content marketing because I sit in I sit firmly in that, although that's all gonna change. Um <laughs> and then I I feel like um that that the next stage is the one-to-one. So yes, webinars are great, but I think events, um, I think dinners, conferences, yeah, all of those actually hold so much more value for women. You can actually see it when there's an event. You can- well, I see it. I mean, I, I've got like four to eight live events a month yeah. and I travel around the world and meet our, our members and I love having that connection. Mm-hmm. I do love the online as well because mm-hmm. I feel that, you know, we make our online meetups fun. We make even our online masterclasses engaging. Mm-hmm. And so you can connect with people and learn about their businesses and have that piece as well. Yeah, But I do... I do love the in-person stuff as well because that's really where you build the the relationship. And we found too from a marketing perspective, Mm -hmm. we ran an experiment the last time we opened the doors for our membership. Mm -hmm. In uh, in our Dubai office, we were like, okay, we're always getting, the one question we're getting from people is, what is a Coffee Connect like? Because Mm -hmm. you get a free Coffee Connect in either London, Dubai, Abu Dhabi or Sydney. So we've got a lot of Coffee Connects going on. Mm -hmm. But people say, you know, but I get this for free, but what is it like? And can I come to one? And we're like, no, that's for members. Mm -hmm. And so what we did last time is we organized one where it was for non-members and we invited our members to have showcase dolls. So Mm -hmm. for our members, it was a new audience who hadn't seen their product or their service before. So it was like a little mini market for our members. And I think we had about 30 of them. And then we had 150 people who who were not members. And we were like, we're just gonna try see what this is going to work. After we had that um, meetup, I think within about 48 hours, we had over 60 people who attended that event sign up to join 
female fusion. So if you look at that from a conversion point yeah. of view, if you look at like the conversion rates, average conversion rates for like a wait list or for a webinar, or they're much, much lower. So what was that for a conversion rate? We're looking at about 40% conversion rate, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 40, 50% conversion rate. So that's a no brainer. Exactly. Because then yeah. people have that connection with us. They, they know us. Mm -hmm. But still people are scared of showing up. And I, and I kind of get that in many ways, yeah. I think. Um, and congratulations, by the way, that's amazing conversion. And for me personally, I, I, when I look at the pictures or the kind of like photo album of the events, you can feel yeah. that energy in the room from just looking at the photos. I, I, I mean, I do get why some people don't attend. I mean, I've become a lot more introverted um, in the last few years, not... I love people, I absolutely adore people, but I, I also like my own space. But there is also that thing of when you get there, everything switches on. The electricity, yes. you know, if you're in the right place, the electricity switches on and it permeates the room. So I'd encourage people to, to experiment and find a place that feels like home because not everywhere is right for everyone. Totally. Mm. And I mean, you kind of, because some people say to me, they're like, oh, I'm introverted. I can't come. And one of the things we've been looking at, because our free events in, especially in Dubai now, can sometimes have up to 200 people for members. Mm -hmm. And if you're introverted, that feels really mm -hmm. heavy. Mm -hmm. And a couple of my members have mentioned to me, they're like, oh, remember like in the beginning of the membership and we would have meetups and there would be like 30 people or 40 people. I kind of miss that. Mm -hmm. So we've been looking at that going, okay, maybe we need to have a slightly smaller meetup every month as well that you get a choice between event A yeah. or event B. Yeah. And if you're extroverted, go to like the event that has 200 people. If you're introverted, maybe you're looking for the one that has 30 people or, or 40 people. Um, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I'd love to try both because um, I can handle I can handle both. And for me, the benefits of both are in a big one, I can hide if I want to and just speak to the people I want to speak to. Yeah. In a smaller one, I'm a little bit more exposed, but I can forge deeper connections with the people that I want to to engage with sometimes in a big one but you have to spend a bit more time to find those people so for me I think I think it's a great test I'd love to know the results of that yeah well we're going to try that in September it's been something we've been talking about for a bit mm -hmm. and you know one of the things as well I think for marketing but also even as well running your business is you always have to talk to your customer yes and you always need to do that research and I'm always asking questions, whether it's like a little mini survey in one of our communities or emailing people and asking them to fill in a type form. Mm -hmm. Having that data gives you so much information on how to run your business, how to, to do your marketing, what your customers are looking for. Mm -hmm. And I find it really surprising that so many business owners don't do it. Can I just let you into a secret? Yeah, tell me. 
lots of large companies don't do it either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, right? I'm so surprised that I go into Fortune 100, sorry, FTSE 100 or... Um, Fortune 500. Yeah, and yeah. They, 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 may, they may have loads of data points. But, but the, nobody's put it nobody's no, put it together curated or analyzed or no insights have been pulled from it and even one company which I would remain nameless um <laughs> massive massive behemoth of a company um we ran a campaign uh for the retail side of the business and that's as much as I'm going to say otherwise I'll probably let slip who they are and I pressed for four weeks that we should have a meeting about the analytics so that we can look at them, review them, work out an optimization strategy and move forward. It is so important as a smaller business that yeah. even if um, you don't speak to your customer, you speak to the data. Yeah. So you've got both of those two but you need pools to do of both. intelligence. Absolutely. Because that's the only... Because the data feeds back in yeah. to the um, the consumer, and I didn't answer your question about um, making it simple. Yeah. So, um, for me, it's like okay, let's look at marketing as a very simple um, principle. A business owner has a product or service; they need to get it to a customer or somebody or or somebody who's going to buy the customer, not necessarily the consumer, but the customer. Bit in between is the marketing aspect of it. Now, the simplest, perhaps most cheapest form is word of mouth. It is the most powerful form, but it also can be quite slow. So depending channel, how your business is set up, depending on a business's position or market share in a particular marketplace. But that is one really simple way of getting the word out then there's a sales bit that has to really work hard to do the conversion to a customer but in terms of that feedback loop into getting the next customer that advocacy that kind of like promotion of that customer that um, business to their network is the simplest form yeah so to take that and replicate that amongst other channels for me what i what i would always tell a business is Choose one customer group, one channel, one promotional channel, maybe two or three um, marketing KPIs to monitor and improve, and then loop that over again. So, for example, just to give a quick example, if it's a cupcake company, you're looking to sell to, I'm going to go for a business. So you're looking to sell um, cupcakes to offices for birthdays, for example. You choose LinkedIn, it's probably the best channel, um, or it could be a local business network in that particular region. Um, you build a relationship, you might even, I know I'm breaking it here, but you might choose email as a communication tool. You get, you collect your data, who's buying when, how many, how often, what kind of particular birthdays you feed that back into your marketing and you improve on that and that's the simplest form of marketing one channel one offer um ideally one message and then just keep improving and reiterating that to make it simple but people don't do that right i think they don't do that because it's too simple yeah that's a good point because it's too simple because we like to overcomplicate everything because i 
I hate to say it, and I've said this in the classes that I've taught when I was working for your company, that unfortunately, the marketing economy is made up of making marketing quite complex yeah. in some ways. So I'm going to bring in the Barbie campaign, the Barbie film advertising campaign. So there's partnerships, there's... Um, brand placement, there's licensing, there's influencer marketing, there's PR, there's everything in that. And the things that I have yet not, I haven't seen yet. Um, that is incredibly complex and probably involves several, maybe hundred people around the world managing that kind of campaign. And then sometimes a small business or a business owner would look at that and think, I can't do that. And they're correct. They can't do that. Not without the hundreds of people. And the yeah. millions, the multi-millions, yeah. the estimated budget is nine figures. The film hasn't even, I think the film has just touched on nine figures in the first one week to one or two weekends. So it it could be that the marketing budget is almost the same as the budget for the film. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I guess you, as business owners, you see that, right? And you feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing it. And... I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. Um, and one of the things we were talking about before we hit record as well was ads. Yeah. And um, I was saying to you, you know, should a small business hire an agency to do it or are they better doing it themselves? And I think one of the reasons why small businesses go to an agency is that with all the other things going on in the business, that they don't understand the ads and so it feels kind of scary and overwhelming and because it's scary and overwhelming you're kind of like oh maybe I should just like maybe I just shouldn't touch this and I'll get the experts in to do it but oftentimes because I found we experimented with an agency for a while and we worked with them for a bit and I just felt like they didn't get us the messages were wrong the copy was wrong and I kind of felt like, well, we could do it better ourselves. Anyone that looks in the back of any ad tool would just scream anyway, because it's just like, what on earth is this? What am I supposed to be doing? So I totally get why anyone would, any business owner would want to outsource advertising compared to outsourcing email marketing, for yeah. example. Um my preference, and it, I guess it, it, there, it depends on so many things, but for most companies, I would recommend hiring in a, cons a consultant or somebody who's got quite a bit of experience in ads, ad management, or has worked in a media agency, so that they can not only run the campaigns, but they can strategically think about why the campaign setup is the way it is, and how that relates to anything else that's happening in the business if there's social media organic social media um, activity happening that needs to tie in with the paid activity yeah if you're if um a business is running an a paid campaign just on meta but they're also running organic content on meta youtube tiktok and all the others then how do these two align because it all has to be quite seamless um, and what I'm hearing from a lot of small businesses is that the, the strategic thinking behind the actual management of the campaign isn't really there yeah. because some people, they either don't know it's not really their interest, 
um, or they just don't understand strategic marketing full stop. Because mm. that, that is another level of skills and expertise anyway. But I would definitely recommend hiring a, a single consultant. And then what happens is you can they can help you build a team. That's one thing I was going to ask you is do you think it's better to to build the in-house knowledge and resources so then you can do it yourself? Because the other thing as well is, especially when you have a small business, we're different than corporates. You know, corporates mm -hmm. have like a long lead time and they're working on things where when you have a small business, you might be like, oh, our sales are down. Maybe we're going to run ads for the next couple of weeks to see, you know, it is <laughs> like everything is very last minute. Yeah. Like even though, you know, best practice yeah. is have a strategy behind it and you could have a strategy behind it. But then a small business, you know, maybe you're selling shoes and you go, right, we didn't sell enough shoes this month. We got to run some ads. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, so some, because my background is largely, um, you know, global brands, but I do work with small businesses and, and, and uh, creative entrepreneurs particularly. Sometimes I forget the challenges or the quickness that's required. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I think something needs to be created specifically for small business or a different tactic. I don't know what it's called specifically, but if there, so for example, um, if a business cannot afford to have an always on paid campaign, granted, because I hear some figures for e-commerce and I'm like, whoa, yeah. 50,000 a month to Meta, that sounds crazy, oh, but I've the return met, is huge. The return is huge. Mm. I met somebody um, in America last year who is spending a hundred thousand US dollars a month just on Google Ads? Yeah, but they were getting like a million in sales yeah. every month, and that's a that's a huge return. Yeah, huge return. Yeah. Um, but still, I was like a hundred thousand a month. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you know, I mean, for some for some biz small businesses, that's two three years marketing budget if yes. they have a marketing budget. Yeah. So. I feel like when it comes to talent to manage, there, there are a couple of ways of doing it. I think if there is a consultant that's willing to come in knowing that they're actually teaching the the um, the business owner how to run ad campaigns or even just set up the template so that the business owner can then run it with a VA, yeah. for example, or an intern, that's fine. And they just bring them in every quarter, every two months just to oversee. I think that's a good way of doing it. Um I think if a, a, a specialist can even train somebody to actually manage it and then kind of like help help the business owner to manage it from there, I think that's a good way forward. But I think there's lots of different permutations for that. Absolutely. But I guess it comes down to knowing what good looks like and being able to, to have that team in your business that can do as many things as possible because there is, as we said, it's not like corporates where it's all planned out because you do have the pressures and the stresses with with the small business where you didn't sell the shoes that month yeah or yeah. you know you need to build your waiting list or mm. you need to get more people clicking here or there mm. and it's really interesting seeing that it can be a little bit stressful but it's also interesting to see that that small businesses are able to to change so quickly and to go and do that in a way where a large corporate wouldn't do that. Oh my gosh. One company I left 
I went back a year later and I went back to work on the same project in the same position as I left it. That's, wow. <laughs> that's yeah. how slow it moves. And yeah. entrepreneurs get stuff done. Yeah, I, I think the nimbleness and the agility is really important for a small business owner. Um, but also knowing when to stop because sometimes we're encouraged to keep going with something because we haven't given it enough time. The one thing that I love about ads, for example, um, when I used to run just really basic ads, I'm not an expert by any way, but I used to try and get into it because it's one of the things that I felt that I should know and understand. So I was running ads for musicians and I noticed after about three days, the time span would drop off. And that way, in terms of running my tests, I would truly understand which ones have worked, which ones that haven't worked. We've talked about what does good look like. Again, there are different benchmarks which you can find online. I've always taught that benchmarks are really based on global companies. But it kind of gives you an indication as, as to where you are against those companies and then just reduce it by half or even by quarter to have something that's more realistic for you. But you do create your own good. Yes. So over time, good for you looks like that upward curve. So whatever the key metric is, if it's engagement and it's going up, that's good. If it's um, click-throughs and it's going up, and that's good. If it's conversions to sell, everything else that you're that a small business owner or a business owner is monitoring that's good. Creative is something that's a little bit more subjective. The platforms keep changing as to what looks good for them. So yeah. that that is a challenge. Um, I understand one, I'm trying to remember, there's a platform apparently copy isn't as important anymore. I think it's Instagram, the Instagram feed. If I've got that wrong, everybody should go to Mazzeri's, at Mazzeri's um, platform. He will tell you what's good. We haven't even talked about threads. <laughs> this is, we're going to have to do a whole other, I, I'm going to have to catch up with you next time sure. I'm in London because, gosh, we, we could go for hours. Yeah. And I think that this is such a, a deep topic of conversation. I'd just like to know really quickly from you, for small business owners, what are what what kind of technologies or things should they be looking out for as they build their business and thinking about marketing or should they just be thinking about the basics i think the basics is a really good place to start all the platforms have the tools that they need built into them particularly meta so you can create content you can schedule content you can publish content you can analyze your insights within the meta ecosystem which i think is really great I personally don't use third-party platforms anymore just because sometimes there are little um, glitches and the API might not serve all the information to the third-party um, platform. There are some really interesting research tools. Um, one, I, Some people might know about these, but I've just stumbled across these recently. Um, I think it's called Answer the Public. Yeah, Answer the Public is a good one, yeah. Um that's really great for research, headlines, titling YouTube content or any other type of content, um, just understanding what consumers are asking. It, you could, I think it's separate from ChatGPT, so you could use it alongside. 
Um, there are other tools for generating ideas or content ideas. There's another platform called Claude2, mm-hmm. um, which I think was released last week. That might be quite useful to compare against ChatGPT, for example, um, against Claude2, so going back to AI. I think in terms of social media management platforms, I think your standard ones at later and... You've got Buffer, Hootsuite. Hootsuite. I prefer Buffer, but Hootsuite's got a lot more information in it. Um, But those those are the ones that I can think of. I generally don't use third-party tools anymore. We've stopped, actually, as well, and just switched everything to to Meta because it favours content that you schedule in in meta anyways linkedin as well i think the only downside to linkedin is that you can only schedule a week in advance at the yes, moment yeah. so that's a a little bit of a pain but we've kind of we just cancelled our subscription actually to later because we were like we're not using it it's easier yeah. just to natively schedule everything within within the apps yeah i, I, I just have to find different ways of working around things um But I guess that's it for us as entrepreneurs and business Mm. owners is that you have to be prepared to know that you have to switch things up and you Mm -hmm. have to change and constantly be listening So and not be afraid to make those changes because if we just sit back and do things the same way all the time, we're not going to grow. Always be learning. Lifelong learners of our businesses and our sectors and the customers who we're serving. Absolutely. And I think that's a great thing to end it on. Always be learning. Thank you so much, Des. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me, Jen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you'd like to join our membership, the doors are currently closed. But if you put your name onto the wait list, you'll be the first to know when we're accepting members again. If you're a female entrepreneur, this is the best place for you to connect with other female business owners and work on starting, building, growing, or scaling your business. You can find out more information in the show notes or on femalefusionnetwork.com forward slash join.